0: And there I was just being yanked around like a rag doll, honestly, completely disregarded. And as he pulled and pulled and pulled and I was trying to keep my balance, I stopped for a second and I thought, what if I just let go? You <laughs> know, just, just drop the leash and just let go. He would well, he'd probably be fine. I don't even think he'd look back. I think he would have just kept on going, and he would have been fine. He could hunt. He could probably find a place to sleep. He would be fine. And it was the most humbling moment of my life where I was like, this dog doesn't need me at all. And that was my first experience with understanding relevance. Let's get into it. Welcome to Beyond Obedience, the podcast where we redefine dog companionship. Hi, I'm Tracy Franken, your guide to build a beautiful bond that transcends traditional training. Flip the script, this is where your dog is the true expert. For dog lovers who crave more than just a pocket full of treats, this is not your typical dog training podcast. This is Beyond Obedience. Hello, hello, hello. This is Tracy from Beyond Obedience. Welcome back to Beyond Obedience, the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we are continuing part two of our three-part series on the foundation of relationship framework. This is the framework that I use to help me live with large group of dogs harmoniously, I might add, Without having to rely on a lot of obedience, a lot of crates, a lot of training, a lot of boot camp rules, all of that good stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Oh, I always have to say that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not saying that crates are bad. I'm not saying that obedience is bad. In fact, you know, I love me a good crate. I love me a good obedience. I love all of that good stuff. I'm just saying that I have always been a person who has been able to live with dogs without having to rely on it. And if someone were to ask me this years ago and say, Tracy, how are you able to do that? I wouldn't have been able to tell you, honestly. I was just like, I don't know. I guess I'm good with dogs. That's what I say to people. But over the years, and especially and particularly my work with horses, has been what has helped me shape this foundation of relationship framework that I now share with others and I'm sharing with you here today. Now, last week, we talked about that number one block, that first block of leadership. And as always, I'm going to reiterate that leadership to me means guidance, that we need to guide our dogs through a human experience. Without our guidance... Our dogs are going to struggle. You invited your dog into Humansville. It is your responsibility to be a leader to them. So don't get caught up in the word leadership. I know some people have a very negative association with it. Leadership means guidance. So last week we talked about leadership being the number one foundational block. This week we're talking about something different. This week the second block in that foundation of relationship is Relevance, relevance. And as I was sharing in the opening here, my experience, I think the most humbling experience and lesson in relevance for me happened back in 2018 when I had the opportunity to take an incredible dog training course called um, the, well, it was course two, it was called course two, (laughs) but it was from Nelson Hodges, his RBBM, or Relationship-Based Behavior Modification Courses, and it was course number two. And this was a very intense course where we had to fly to Texas. We had nine days, and in those nine days we were given, for for us to work with, a rescue husky. So a husky that was in search of a, a forever home, We were given a husky that we would have to take for those nine days. It would come with us 24-7. We had to live with the dog, which meant we were taking that husky to our hotel. It meant that we had to eat with the husky. (laughs) We had to uh, sleep with the husky. We weren't given crates. We were given just a leash and a collar, Uh, no crates. So we had to find a way to sleep with the husky. (laughs) We had to shower with a husky. Uh, you're getting my point here, right? It, every, we had to do everything with this dog uh, without the use of specialized tools, crates, or anything like that. And my husky, whose name was Jace, was a ding-dong. Uh, that's, that's my polite way of, of that's an, and an, under, <laughs> an, an understatement um essentially jace was um exceptionally high strung he was jumpy he was mouthy i spent the first the car ride with him my friend karen who was sharing a room with me with her dog uh i had to sit in the back seat and hold this dog because he chewed on me obsessively when i got him back to the hotel he jumped up he muzzle punched me he gnawed at my arms i was bruised from head to toe day 1 and Most importantly, this dog would pull me everywhere. Like, he just would pull me off my feet. He yanked and pulled and did whatever the heck he wanted. And one day, while I was out in the field with him at the facility, and he was just doing his thing, completely disregarding me as he did. I Honest to God, it was like the dope at the end of the rope. I was the biggest inconvenience for this dog. It was like, oh, God, I want to do these things, but I have to drag this thing along with me. And one day, I literally thought, "What happens if I were to just let go?" Turn to Nelson and be like, "Oops, <laughs> he got away." Because if I'm being honest, I did not like this dog. I love dogs, but I did not like this dog. And I spent a lot of money. Like I was, like we had to we had to save for this. Like this was, this was a huge investment to go to this course. And I was like, "This is the worst money I've ever spent." <laughs> in my life but I thought to myself if I were to just let go of this leash he would be fine he would be fine he would just leave he wouldn't even look back he would be fine he would probably he could hunt he could survive out in the wild on his own he was a husky he could do anything and that was like the moment where I was like oh my gosh he doesn't need me <laughs> and it was humbling It was humbling because I live with lots of dogs, but they love me and they need me, and this dog couldn't care less. So spoiler alert to the end of this story. At the end of these nine days, after the work that I'd done with this dog, I will tell you that I did not want to give this dog back. I had thoughts. Trust me, it crossed my mind. We were just going to take the rental car and, like, just... Hightail it over the border, Thelma Louise style without the dramatic jumping off a cliff kind of a thing. But Thelma and Louise, our butts right back to Canada, just, <laughs> just steal these dogs. I didn't want to give them back. So it was a profound change in, um, in how I felt about this dog in a very, very short amount of time. And I share that whole entire story uh, in, uh, in, my, in my course, while wow Your Walk. Uh, because it was the stuff that I explain in While You Walk that really helped change. But it was, the, it was an exercise, a humbling exercise in humility for me with this dog. And, um, and that's where I think my idea of relevance really came into play. Now, I want to share, before I get into relevance a little bit more, I want to share a favorite quote of mine. And uh, I, I had to write it down here. Actually, no, before I share that quote, let's start at the beginning. i got to bring this back up because my screensaver went, I was talking too long. That's a, that's a classic me move. Let's talk actually just about the definition of relevance, right? I'm uh, looking it up on Google, on the Googles, Oxford Languages, relevance, uh, the quality or state of being closely connected, the quality or state of being closely connected, that's what relevance means. And, um, and so when we're talking about relevance in the foundation of relationship framework, relevance being that second block, how to become relevant to a dog, I think what is interesting is what we perceive as relevance and what the dog perceives to be relevant is sometimes different. So let's talk about uh, relevance of what, sometimes what I hear people think. A lot of times people will think, well, okay, I'm relevant to the dog because I, I give them all their needs, right, their survival needs. I, I provide them food. I provide them shelter. I provide them companionship. These are all fundamental things that the dog absolutely needs. Therefore, I am relevant to him. And true, 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 you do provide all those things. But how do you provide those things? And are they actually relevant to the dog as you think they are? Many times people actually confuse the idea of relevance with love. I love the dog, therefore I'm relevant to the dog. That's not necessarily seen the same way Um, in, in in the dog's mind. And uh, speaking of which, I want to give you that quote. I have this incredible quote. I have probably, I think I've given out this quote in, in all of my courses and all of my live events that I've done, my two-day live seminars. I talk about this particular quote. It's from a book called A Dog's Mind by Dr. Bruce Fogel. I have been reading this book <laughs> for years. I I think the first time I cracked this book open, I might have been in high school. So it's an old book. It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. I opened, I, I started it in high school. I didn't really understand all of it. It had a lot of science stuff in it that my high school mind didn't quite get. But then I reread it in after college. I went to school to be a tech, and I, I read it after college. And this quote always got to me. I have highlighted it. Actually, I should have brought my book for those of you that are watching this on YouTube. I should have actually brought it because... Um, I'm just going to move this thing over. I should have actually brought it because you would be able to see all of the highlights that are in it and all of the, I've written in the, in the uh, margins, all sorts of stuff. I love this book. Um, but this is the quote that stuck out the most to me, and i like to share it with you today. A dog doesn't expect to be treated like a human. A dog expects a human to act like a dog to participate in group activities to play to hunt together to sleep in the same den and i remember the first time i came across that quote because it <laughs> stuck out to me like oh because if, if you're anything like me we you know we humans we do like to treat our dogs like little furry people don't we I mean, if you look at the dog industry now, I mean, dogs are out there with Egyptian cotton beds and organic foods and <laughs> clothes, so many clothes that dogs wear. And we do like to treat them like a human. And this, this quote here really, really got to me, this idea that they don't expect that. Dogs don't come out of the womb going like, oh, I can't wait to get my own bedroom, my nice fuzzy bed, and my (laughs) cotton sheets. They don't come out that way. They come out expecting that you will act like a dog, that you're going to participate in all the same activities, you're going to play with them, you're going to hunt together, you're going to sleep in the same den, you're going to do all of those dog-like things together. That's their expectation, So we have two very different experiences coming at us, right? Which is where we sometimes see this this relevance gap, so to speak. And if I could say... Where I find that, um, where where I see dogs and humans struggling the most, it usually has to do with a relevance gap. So let me explain my relevance scorecard to you. For those of you on YouTube, I'll kind of show it to you. I'll try to link something up in the show notes where you can get the actual diagram of the scorecard that I use. But I want you to think of it. Imagine if you will, because this is a podcast. (laughs) If you're driving, don't close your eyes. But imagine if you will... A sliding scale where one side of the scale is what I would call a, the dog-like experience. So the very dog-like experience. Over on that side of the scale, you have the dog that's in nature, and they're sniffing things and peeing on things and doing dog stuff. They're probably hunting stuff like rabbits. Maybe if you've got a bigger dog, they're hunting bigger game like deer. They're just over there living their best life. That's on one side of the scale. On the other side of the scale, how did I do this on YouTube? There we go. <laughs> I'm not even in screen anymore. On the other side of the scale, we have the more human-like experience. Okay, so picture, if you will, a human being. He's in his apartment. He's um, he's eating uh, s- pizza and Doritos, drinking a glass of wine, playing the Xbox. So two very, very different extremes on the scale. One side being very dog-like, the other side being very human-like, okay? So when we're talking about relevance and this relevance gap, I want you to consider where you are as the human on that scale. And this isn't a judgment thing. This is not a judgment thing, right? But you just have to be honest. Where are you on that relevant scale? Are you living a very human-like existence? Are you living in an urban big-time city in an apartment? Do you have to walk your dog through the concrete jungle where there's not a lot of opportunity to do dog-like things? Do you have a lot of strict leash rules, leash laws that you have to abide by? If that is your experience, that is your experience. So you need to be on the more human-like side of the scale. Now you need to take a look at your dog. Where does your dog fit in on this relevant scale? Do you have a dog that is Um, very dog-like? Do they have high uh, prey drive? When, When they go outside for their walk, are they immediately searching, seeking, hunting? Where's the squirrel? Where's that? Are they the type of dog that when you give them a stuffed toy and it squeaks, that not only do they pop that squeaker, but they rip open the toy and they pull out all the stuffing, essentially practicing the art of dissection? Do you have that kind of a dog? If so then that dog is living or very much, probably very much a dog-like dog. So when we have a very dog-like dog living in a very human-like existence, we have a very big relevance gap. And we, as the guardians of our dogs, need to find a way to bridge that gap. Now, there are two different ways that we can do that. We can certainly ask the dog, the very dog-like dog, to slide down the relevant scale, come out of being dog-like, and join us more in a human-like existence. And the way that we do that is through obedience and through the use of tools and training techniques. And this is also why I will always advocate for a variety of different dog training tools. Okay? If you have a very dog-like dog and you are living a very human-like existence, you are going to have to do a lot more obedience training. You are going to have to utilize more tools. And there is no shame in that, my friend. That is just what you need to do to help your dog exist in humansville. But there are also things that us humans can do to slide ourselves down that relevant scale. And that involves more understanding. More understanding of the dog's innate genetic desires and drives, the things that make the dog the dog, the things that make the dog happy, the things that are true rewards to the dog. When we have that understanding of what our dogs need, and we are not only helping them to achieve that, we are allowing them times and opportunities to express those things, we then ourselves slide down that relevant scale, and we can actually meet in what I would call the sweet spot, where we're asking a little bit of the dog, a little bit of the human, and we come together in the center of the scale in the sweet spot. That is perfectly fine. We can do that. And you just need to decide... For some, it may be a little bit more understanding that we need and a le- little less obedience, right? As I mentioned before, I don't require a lot of obedience, but I don't live a very human-like experience. I'm not living in a, in a, in, in, ur- in an urban center. I live out in the country. I have a farm. The dogs that have the innate desire to hunt are actually encouraged to do so. Those are my Jack Russells. They were... We have them on the farm to do what they were born and bred to do, to rat, right, to, to be rodent control. And they do that with a lot of love and zest in their heart, right? So we don't have a lot of leash laws here. Our dogs are allowed to go out and roam in the forest and run through the fields and do all of those dog-like things. We are, um, we're living a more dog-like existence for our dogs. And because of that we don't necessarily have to do a lot of obedience. I don't live on a bike trail with hundreds of people walking past my backyard every day, right? So that makes it a little bit different. There's no right or wrong, but where I see the biggest struggle is for the people that have very dog-like dogs living very human-like experiences, and the humans may be putting little to no effort on their part to understand the dog, and, and worse not doing their part to do the training and the obedience and utilizing the tools and the techniques that they need to help the dog exist in humans I just realized that I didn't hit record on my zoom that's unfortunate but not unheard of honestly this is a learning pro- <laughs> this is a learning process so uh, if you've been following along you're like I want to see what this is like on YouTube you won't so. <laughs> There's that. Anyway, where was I? Let's get back out to it. I, I'm basically, I'm basically like, I'd like to just put a little bow on all of this so that you have, um, you know, the, the general idea of what it is that I'm trying to suggest here. Here's the idea of relevance. Relevance isn't just about providing the basics for survival for dogs, right? It's not just giving them food, it's how you give them food. So we want to make sure that when we are looking at our dogs, We are considering this relevance scorecard. We're considering this relevance gap. And if you're struggling at all, especially if you know you have a very dog-like dog and you're struggling, um, you just need to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to close that gap? Do I need to maybe invest in a little bit more dog training? Do I need to invest in a little bit more equipment? Perhaps I need to invest in um, allowing the dog to, to get out and utilize that genetic desire. Maybe that means signing my herding dog up for herding classes. Maybe it means on weekends I'm going to drive out to the country and we're going to go out and do some stuff that way. Whatever that is, it's just finding that way to make it you <laughs> to make your relevance gap smaller so that you and your dog can exist together um, in a more harmonious way. There's no right or wrong here. Uh, There is no uh, better than (laughs) sort of thing. Some people like to do it with obedience. Some people like to do it with the understanding. Some people like to do a combination of both. But if you're struggling, you need to figure out where am I on that uh, that relevance scorecard? Where is my dog? Is there a relevance gap? And can I find a way to close that? And if you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'd like to close it. How am I going to do that? And you're looking for help. You know. Reach out to a dog trainer if it's an obedience thing. Reach out to somebody like me if it's a I want to have more understanding. I'm always there to help you. If you want some help, reach out to me. I like to help. Also, keep on doing this. Keep listening to this podcast because next week we're going to be talking about the third and final foundation of relationship block that I like to call the trifecta of relationship. I'm telling you, if you nail this third and final block, if you get this at this level, you will just see your relationship explode. It is so, so important. But I'm going to save that for next week. In the meantime, I should I should point out, although it will spoil it for next week, so maybe wait. No, don't wait. Ah, I don't know. I have an incredible little cheat sheet for you that talks all about the Foundation of Relationship Framework, and it's something I like to call decoding your dog's behavior using the Foundation of Relationship. This is a little cheat sheet that allows you to sort of figure out if you're having some issues, if you're having some behavioral problems... What part of the foundation should you be focusing on right now? And it's a nice little way to kind of decode it. It lets you know where you might be seeing some gaps in relevance, gaps in leadership, gaps in that third, final foundation block. Um, Little decoder sheet. So that's brand new. It's coming out, should be out by the time this podcast is released. So make sure you look for that at beyondobedience.ca to grab your decoder cheat sheet from there and as always get out there today and be the person that your dog thinks you are because your dog thinks you are awesome and so do I have a great week everybody and we will see you all next week cheers